Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. This week, we'll be revisiting the discussions around the NBN regulatory framework from last week's Comms Day Melbourne Congress, specifically what the ACCC, Aussie Broadband and NBN Co itself had to say. But before we get into that, I wanted to look at NBN Co's big fixed wireless announcement this week, a $750 million upgrade, which will see a 5G millimeter wave overlay taking speeds for end users up to 250 megabits per second. That's from about 50 megabits or so currently. The freed up capacity from this millimeter wave overlay on the 4G network will then be extended to a larger footprint, increasing the speeds available for whatever a lower number of people. In turn, by extending the fixed wireless footprint into the satellite footprint, the numbers on the SkyMaster service are also reduced and their speeds increase as well. So it's a very elegant solution. I had a chat with NBN's head of regional and remote, Gavin Williams, to find out all about it. When we, when we built the first cells, the first towers, they'd be built with either um, three or six cells. So in 120 degrees um, uh, and two, two frequency bands, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we've now got, on 2,200 towers, we've currently got about 22,000 cells. So um, what's that, 10 per tower? Yeah. And we're looking at new um, antenna technology, so mini lens, um, which enables massive spectral reuse um, and the opportunities for massive MIMO so that we can upgrade those and and additional uh, access to additional um, bands, including millimetre wave, to get to um, significantly higher number of cells per tower, which ultimately means um, more capacity per premises. So that's kind of the gist of it. What's new? Um, cost-effective mini lens antenna, um, more cost-effective um, massive MIMO antenna, um, access to a gigahertz of millimetre wave spectrum uh, that we secured what um, about eighteen months ago, um, and uh, and then using sort of every trick in the book to. Um, you know, improve spectral efficiency and, and uh, statistical um, benefits of things like um, uh, carrier, you know, aggressive use of carrier aggregation, all those kinds of things. Yeah. And are you, are you aware of anyone else in the world doing it this way for a fixed wireless network? It seems, I mean, I, I read the literature from around the world and this seems quite innovative to me. I'm not aware of anyone else doing this. I'm, I'm not aware either. It's not to say they're not. I wouldn't uh, <laughs> trumpet this as being a, a world first, but it just, um, you know, you know, it's. I'm proud of the team, the the team of engineers who um, look at this with just a level of uh, technological thought leadership, but also a level of innovative thinking to to solve solve the sorts of problems that engineers um, can do so well. And um, you know, sort of th- think about m- mobility. Um, the, the LTE stack and 5G stack for mobility um, has some, you know, design um, considerations that are important for mobility applications. So um, things like random access channel allocation, um, you know, you, you need particular uh, you know, guard band settings to enable moving 
and, and different terminals to connect. But if you've got a, a fixed uh, environment, you can adjust some of those considerations to tune for tune for the good, um, the technological benefit, um, the fact that we do have static um, static terminals. So that means that we can use um, probably more effectively than any uh, mobile network could mobility network um, things such as the mini lens antenna. Um, and, that, and that's a result of the fact that you've got a static environment. You can push things to the nth degree. Tuned, yeah. tuned to the static environment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you know that enables us to look at the, um, you know, the, the timing for things like random, random access channel for, um, to enable us to get further than fourteen kilometres um, from from the tower to um, expand the coverage by about fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm hearing that you can get up to twenty nine k this way. Well, I think on, on average, that's what we'd be shooting for, but. Uh, testing has gone beyond that oh really wow okay yeah so we've we've yeah. tested it to um getting closer to 50 kilometers but i think in real world planning um to get our, our uh, 50 percent um coverage ambition under this uh, under this investment we'll be looking to expand to um, an average of roughly about 29 kilometers okay it's an average okay wow yeah. okay that's that's better than i thought i kind of saw that as an upper limit so that's pretty amazing um yeah so then it'll take um uh you know, judicious um, qualification at the site. Um, we've got, you know, we've got better um, desktop uh, clutter modelling and such things to um, to inform our, uh, our coverage. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously good good news for people in Skymuster, current Skymuster, footprint about one hundred twenty thousand of them, and um, good news for the remaining Skymuster customers to have. Uh, what would otherwise be low deloaded from Skymast, which enables us to lift lift the uh, the tide for everyone else. Now on to our special look um, at what happened with the NBN SAU and the discussions all about that at the Commerce Day Melbourne Congress last week. Uh, we had the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission up first, Anna Brakey, who's the ranking telecom commissioner there. Now, the HLC has been directed, along with MBNCO, to establish some progress in updating the special access undertaking which governs MBNCO's wholesale prices, terms and conditions. It's about eight years out of date, and the HLC now sees this update or variation process as a way to fix what it sees are some of the ills of the current regime. Here's what Anna Brakey had to say. Almost all of NBN's services are sold through their bundled product construct, which is set through complex discounting arrangements and are not subject to meaningful price controls. So although the bundled products may have brought benefits in allowing NBN products to be priced to meet end user demand, they sit outside uh, the regulatory framework. There, they, and they therefore bypass many of the protections it was intended to deliver. Further to this, NBN has accumulated a significant balance in its loss capitalisation account, called the ICRA. Depending on how this is treated within the regulatory arrangements, it has the potential to drive prices much higher than they need to be. It could also discourage efficient use of the NBN. This is a, these are issues that we must sort out in order to get the best use of the NBN. 
In the second half of last year, we ran multilateral industry and stakeholder processes to investigate these concerns. Uh, we held an industry roundtable in June and then uh, held a series of almost weekly workshops um, uh, where we looked at detailed aspects of the regulatory framework. The working groups comprised representatives of NBN, um, a range of retail service providers, industry bodies, consumer groups, um, the AFCC and other government agencies. These groups were really valuable to us in drawing out the key concerns of stakeholders and also ensuring that stakeholders have had a good understanding of each other's perspectives. Some of you here today uh, probably participated in these working groups. And again, I do thank you for your contribution. It was very useful. All of the work undertaken by the working groups mean that when NBN does formally lodge its SAU variation, we can approach this from a running start. After those working groups concluded in December, we released a paper summarising the discussions that took place and the five key outcomes that we want to see reflected in NBN's varied undertaking. And I'll talk about those five um, key outcomes and why they're so important. First, we want to make sure that NBN has the opportunity to earn enough revenue to, to meet its legitimate financing objectives including to transition to an investment grade credit rating. If NBN were allowed to recover significantly more than this amount, it would lead to higher prices over time and discourage efficient use of the NBN. On the other hand, not providing such an opportunity could reduce incentives to invest into the future to maintain the NBN and could also trigger inefficient overuse of the network. So we have a very critical line to walk. One of the things we're trying to achieve in this process is, is, is to establish a sustainable building block model for basing um, NBN's prices on. A building block model provides for an, an allowance for efficient operating uh, expenditure and allows for the recovery of efficient capital investments. And this includes an appropriate return on investments. Once NBN reaches its building block revenue, it has everything it needs to operate the network and to continue to invest. There might be a scenario where they need a little bit more than this amount to attain a, an investment grade credit rating given their current financing structure. This is important as we want NBN to have good access at competitive prices to debt markets to fund future investments. However, we do have concerns that the pursuit of past losses will mean that NBN could generate much more revenue uh, than it needs. This will translate to much higher prices uh, in the future than necessary, and it will also discourage efficient use of the network, meaning that we're not able to maximise its benefits. Secondly, uh, and this is quite strongly related to my first point, we want the regulatory framework to protect customers from price shocks and prices that are higher than necessary in the future. We want the regulatory framework to support a set of prices that are reasonable, affordable, and that promote efficient use of the network. We really want to avoid a situation where we have a set of prices that achieve uh, these objectives but that they do move substantially in the future and move away from those objectives. Uh, this will require the recovery of capital investments over the economic life of the assets, 
uh, with minimal pushing out of costs into future years. In addition, uh, recovery of any accumulated losses needs to be clearly specified in a way that doesn't lead to future price shocks or inefficient prices. NBN's pricing and commitments around the use, modification and removal of discounts uh, will also be important in preventing future price shocks. Third, our regulatory framework should provide NBN with good incentives to operate and invest efficiently and to promote the efficient use of the NBN. To do this, the regulatory framework will need to do a number of things. On the expenditure side, there needs to be a clear framework that will allow the, NB, uh, the HLC to assess the efficiency of NBN's uh, operating and capital expenditure. This will provide assurance to the industry and consumers that NBN is investing in things that consumers value and are willing to pay for. It would also ensure that the expenditure meets consumer demand, including growth in demand, and maintains quality of service. This framework would also ensure any legislative requirements or specific policy directions from the government can be achieved in the most efficient manner. The other element that will be required is a form of price control that will provide incentives for NBN to promote efficient use of that NBN and to develop new products that customers value. The price controls should be an appropriate balance between flexibility for NBN on individual price components while giving some stability on the overall price levels. Fourth, we want uh, regulation where NBN's customers, the retail service providers, have much more certainty over the costs that they will face when they uh, supply over the NBN. Retail service customers currently face quite uh, a bit of cost uncertainty stemming from the different elements of NBN's pricing structure. These include the uh, ABC, CBC price structure, the use of discounts to establish the bundle of products and exposure to volume risk through overage charges. We believe that uh, some meaningful changes will be needed to NBN's pricing approach to give more certainty. If retail service providers have more certainty, they will have the confidence to invest in their own infrastructure and retail product offerings. Of course, this has been a long-standing area of concern for the industry. This is an area that we will be looking at closely and where some movement will be needed. Finally, we want to uh, establish a clear and robust quality of service framework. When a retail service provider purchases a wholesale product from NBN, they really need to know what it is they're paying for. This is a crucial point. We recognise NBN has used the WBA process in the past to establish service levels. It was also the vehicle for improved service level commitments following our inquiry into their uh, service standards. However, service quality is something that we think that should be incorporated into the regulatory framework and there are a number of reasons why this is desirable. It would provide a baseline for minimum service qualities on which prices are set and would allow price and quality to be considered concurrently. It would also provide a more robust, robust framework for assessing and monitoring investments aimed at improving service quality. Further, it would provide a mechanism 
to quickly respond to emerging uh, service quality issues and overcome some of the barriers created by unequal bargaining positions. Uh, and that's something that parties have experienced in past uh, commercial negotiations. Now, NBN's Chief of Strategy and Transformation, Will Irving, then went on to explain NBNCO's approach to the update process, and particularly the challenges in balancing the need to make things more affordable for retailers and end users, alongside its own need to make profits to pay off debt and invest in the network. So, having been an access sector, you heard I um, was at uh, Telstra on the wholesale side as an access sector in the, in the past life, it's often hard to see MBN evolving and adapting um, as quickly as uh, retailers would like. And MBN's non-discriminatory obligations make that uh, an ongoing challenge for the industry. It's something which we continue to work on to evolve more quickly and uh, as much as we are constrained by doing the same thing for everybody at the same time and appropriately so, nevertheless we recognise that this is an opportunity for us to, uh, to move more quickly and to enable the industry to innovate for the benefit of customers. Um, so that then lets us uh, move forward as we think about how do we ultimately um, enable our network to grow to meet the future needs of the customers. If a hundredfold increase is what we've seen in 15 years, uh, you forecast 15 years forward, gets us towards the end of the regulatory period. Uh, will we all be on five gigabit services at home? I have no idea. Uh, but when you look at the metaverse, when you think about what's happening elsewhere, uh, you, you would be brave to forecast that that um, could never happen. And so underpinning that ongoing investment, as we currently work to bring um, gigabit or close to gigabit type services to 8 million homes remains a key focus for us. So, um, in terms of sort of new commitments, the other sort of key components that we're working on is uh, how do we effectively um, improve customer experience at the same time? So, we need sustainable and predictable um, funding in terms of that core network and in terms of the IT systems and platforms that underpin it, something which is a, a very large focus at, at NBN, given the uh, speed with which things have been done. Um, and of course, we don't expect retailers to do um, all the hard work. So we will continue with uh, upgrade initiatives, continue with ways to make us easier to do business with, and aim to balance the various concerns around um, pricing and sustainability in an economically sustainable industry in the context of maximum regulated prices. Um, as you know, historically, our prices have been set to promote take-up, and as Anna noted yesterday, we have priced well below the regulatory uh, caps. We recognise, though, that that leads to the theoretical potential for um, prices to grow in unexpected ways, and that's something which is appropriately guarded against in the next regulatory framework, so that there are no price shocks for retailers or, uh, indeed, for customers. However, we have this thing called the initial cost recovery account, or the ICRA. This is essentially the accumulated capital that NBN um, has invested in the network, which the existing undertaking presumes that over a significant period, NBN would recoup. So we note Anna's uh, comments yesterday that um, end users should be protected from price shocks and that full recovery of the um, ICRA is something which uh, is, is of concern, perhaps would be the word, the word I would use, um, for the ACCC and the industry. So as we think about it, we are proposing a building block model, uh, which effectively gives us the opportunity to recover prudent and efficient costs 
ultimately to pay down our debt, we have, for example, $19 billion of privately held debt in addition to um, some government debt at the moment, and ultimately to achieve an investment grade credit rating. This ought to be critically important, not just to NBN, but to the whole industry, because a sustainable capital base leads to a sustainable capital base for all players. And the, op the alternative to investment grade is, of course, junk bonds. That is something which I don't think any critical infrastructure provider um, wants to uh, contemplate. So that is the path that we are seeking to set, um, allowing for the fact that today NBN does not pay a dividend on its equity and that to the extent it, through its pricing, is generating funds for reinvestment, that is the current model that NBN is using, but ultimately there does at least need to be the potential for a return to equity as well. So we have maximum um, regulated pricing through the SAU term, calculated based on the building block model with effectively annual um, caps sitting in there so that there is not the ability for um, some um, unlikely future management team to uh, do things in a way which would surprise the industry or consumers. Uh, and so effectively then by charging the, the drawdown on the ICRA um, and ensuring continuity between different regulatory periods, we end up with a smooth regulatory framework and part of our undertaking will give some um, additional rights to the ACCC which are not in our current undertaking uh, to enable it to uh, impose revenue controls to effectively ensure that there is a, a cap, if you like, on the total uh, revenue of, of NBN in a way which enables us to be sustainable and to invest consistently, but which avoids the potential for a future shock. The, the reason for a, a revenue model is because we and this industry face significant demand uncertainty, particularly if, um, from uh, things like 5G substitution, Kieran talked about it uh, earlier this morning. So having a model that effectively lets us adapt within uh, that framework, but does so in a way which provides predictability to the industry is key. So we're not changing a, a fixed principle around um, the ICRA, but um, when we lodge, we will be identifying or rather addressing a number of concerns that the ACCC has raised. So of course, an immense amount of work has happened from the industry on the SAU. Um, a few weeks ago, I had expected to be standing up to talk to you in a lot more detail about what is in it. Uh, we are in the final stages of all the pre-lodgement um, processes. It is not a simple one when you're a government business enterprise, but um, very hopeful you will be seeing a lot more uh, via the ACCC after we, we launch they will um, uh, publish uh, various things and move to consultation. And finally, Aussie Broadband MD Phil Britt gave us the retailer's point of view on MBN prices and terms and conditions and what he thinks needs to happen as part of the variation process. We're in a consultation process that began back in April last year. Um, and whilst there's been some progress, um, we, we certainly haven't seen an outcome. And I guess the really concerning part to us is that uh, there's no end in sight. It might be this calendar year, might be next financial year, there's not really a defined timeline. And for companies like us that, that move fast and work to a deadline, that's, uh, that's really worrying. So an NBN hasn't really engaged in any sort of pricing discussions outside of the SAU. So as an organisation that, that prides itself on working with its customers, in the pricing front, it's doing pretty much everything but in my view. And so what's happened in the meantime since the, um, the, the ultimately we started down this consultation path? Well, 
There was CBC relief provided by NBN during um, the, the early COVID lockdowns and so on. And that was, that was a real, really good thing. I think ultimately that, combined with what the industry did as a whole, um, was what got Australia through the, the, the COVID side of things in the pandemic. But what we see now is that flip around and go, NBN perhaps thought they maybe gave a little bit too much away during that period of time. And ultimately, they're now trying to recover it. So we see things like punitive CBC changes that kick in um, uh, without any consultation at all uh, at the end of last year for against providers that were basically working within um, their frameworks and working within their rules um, to change CBC and to move it dynamically and ultimately try and uh, uh, shut off those pathways, I guess. And then other changes around where you do move bandwidth dynamically on a day-by-day -day basis, and those might get stuck in NBN's ordering systems, but those punitive charges kicking in the way of breach charges, which send your pricing right back, basically, to what was the original pricing before bundles came in. So despite NBN's commitments to, to work on pricing and so on, We've seen CVC costs increase 70% in the last six months. So I don't see how that's sustainable in, in the way that the industry is working today. And sorry, ultimately, if we catch up to um, what was dropped just before Christmas at, at 5 p.m. on basically the 22nd of December in terms of their, their proposal, we actually see the reverse. We see some positives in this, in that the 100 meg tiers and so on uh, move to ABC only and so on, but at prices higher than what we believe they should be. But we also see some negatives and, and a few head scratches, like the 50-20 tier, that's actually going backwards in terms of inclusions, but upwards in terms of price. And it sort of leaves us wondering, where's the logic in that? So ultimately, we've still got a long way to go, I guess is the underlying message here. Um, and whilst is trying to give on one side in terms of uh, appeasing what the industry is asking for, which is ABC only pricing, it's also taking it away in other areas, um, particularly areas that affect uh, low income users. So what's ABB's proposal look like in all this? Because we're all about sort of solutions, not just whinging about the problems. Um, ultimately, we think the variable component needs to stay there in, in the low speed tiers to a degree. Um, and the ABC only pricing is, a, is the, the right pathway forward. So our suggestion is leave the 50-20 where it is today, but increase the inclusions. So that's basically $5 less than what NBN is currently proposing at the moment. But the inclusions probably need to look more like around three megabits and grow over time. Ultimately, we're seeing that 50-20 tier is actually consuming as much data as what the 120 tiers do. Drop the 120 proposal to 50 bucks and the 140 proposal to 55 dollars. Now this meets NBN's ARPU targets, so their stated goals and objectives. This allows them to meet that, and then ultimately the 250, 25, and the gig plans move them to 60 and 65. That's quite a bit lower. That promotes uptake um, within the plans. And as an industry, we need to take responsibility for where we are. Because ultimately, I believe we created a fair amount of this mess ourselves. Um, we're the ones who set the retail prices. We're the ones who dictate how much margin we make in terms of product. And ultimately, um, I think we've got no, no one else other than ourselves to blame here. Because as an industry, we've chosen to compete on price rather than service. 
And I think it's that's the easy thing to do. It's hard to create good service. It's hard to create an amazing customer experience. And so the simple thing is make it look cheaper and then the customer overlooks some of those poor service elements that are notorious within our industry. So ultimately, the pathway forward is either we raise prices, NBN comes to the party, or we do a combination of both. And this also plays into the OTT side of things. We created a, a pricing construct that wasn't matched to the wholesale construct that was available. We created unlimited plans, which is what consumers wanted, and, and rightfully so. But we're complaining about things like over-the-top type services and that, um, basically consuming more data, which is what's driving the data growth. But we didn't have a wholesale model that matched that. So I think the industry has a fair amount uh, to, to re re be responsible for within that. <coughs> but ultimately, now's the time. Australians need high-speed internet. We've seen that with the pandemic. And things couldn't be more, more pertinent than now that we need this. With NBN's Fibre Connect program, we'll see 75% of premises um, able to get gigabit speeds up from the 42% today. And this is the investment side that NBN talks about, which is absolutely necessary. This is ultimately building the network that we were meant to have originally, but uh, we're just getting it a bit later than what was intended. In New Zealand, around 13% of customers are on a gigabit plane today. So quite a bit higher than where we are in Australia. And ultimately, what we've seen is that when there's fundamental change to the wholesale pricing, we see a movement in customer behaviour to those prices. So things like um, the, the focus on fast promotions um, do a negative effect in our view, whereas a, a, a long-term sustained pricing change actually gets customers to move, which is what we saw uh, with the 50 meg tier. Back when uh, that was originally priced, 16% of customers were on that and that moved to 70%. So things like this, um, it needs to be a long-term sustainable thing rather than a short-term sugar hit. And ultimately the key message here is that if the ACCC doesn't get moving with this, retail prices are going to start to increase from next financial year onwards because providers won't be able to tolerate the margin change that's, uh, that's coming down the line as it relates in relation to CVC. That's it for Commissaire Live this week. Thanks for joining us.